Hi everyone, I am Fatima Keshavarz and you were just listening to a beautiful song sang by an Iranian vocalist called Hamayun Shajarian. The words he was singing belong to the 13th century poet and mystic who wrote everything in Persian, wrote a lot of poetry with different structures, different aims, different meanings, and became one of the major figures, major poets of his time, and went on to stay a very important person in that tradition for centuries, up until now, in fact. Century ago, Western scholars started to really focus on his poetry and, and discovered him as a major figure, a major poet. They had always thought that he was this great mystic, but for whatever reason, they didn't think that poetry was important to him. Well, that is definitely not the case, as I am going to tell you in these series of podcasts, which I'm calling Radio Rumi. I'm a professor at University of Maryland, and my work has to do with things poetic and mystical. And I think that both these are very important to the life that we live these days. In fact, if anything, they're even more important than they were centuries ago. I hope that in these series, what I share with you very informally in these podcasts about Rumi's words and his way of thinking will explain what I mean when I say he really is a poet for our times. Well, there are lots of wonderful stories about him. Uh, he was himself a great storyteller he had a teacher that had great impact on his life. He and his family went on a long journey when he was very young. And all of these things are very important to who he is, but we're going to get to these uh, through each of the different podcasts. I believe that the most important thing about him is what he has left us with, which is his own words his own stories, which often are actually stories he borrowed from various traditions, but he put it in his own words, in his own terms. And very often, they address 
some of the most basic, some of the most structural things that have to do with learning, with um, love, with how to treat others, how to live in the world, how to be in the world. In fact, so attractive are these ways of thinking which he has gifted us that everybody now claims him. Of course, Iranians consider him Persian because he wrote everything in Persian. Turks consider him a Turk because he immigrated to Turkey with his family when he was a very young kid and he actually grew up there. Religious people find all kinds of references to the Holy Scripture of the Muslims, the Quran, in his writing or sayings of Prophet Muhammad. Seculars say, oh no, no, he was not really supporting the standard way of religious practice. Humanists see him as a humanist and the list goes on. I hope that um, our conversations in these series, Radio Rumi, and which are very informal and are meant to be shared with all of you, explain some of these to us. Open it up for our thinking. And I'm hoping that as I give these words and my own thoughts to you as a gift from my learning, my childhood, my growing up, uh, my speaking Persian and reading Persian and loving Persian, that you would also have your own gift. That would be your contribution to these poems. It would be your way of thinking about these poems. And I want you to believe and accept that that's how Rumi wanted it to be. Every time he finished a poem, or rather I should say very often, maybe not every time, but very often as he finished a poem, he said, my job is done, yours now begin. In other words, my reader, you are also a writer of this poetry in your own mind and, more importantly, in your own life. So allow yourself to be an interpreter of Rumi and of adopting his words, absorbing them, and making them what works for your understanding, your philosophy, your way of thinking. I want to spend this introductory session, if you like, <laughs> that tells you about the Rumi podcasts, to just tell you why I think he's a poet for our times. Why is it that he's a best-selling poet in Russian translation, in English translation, in many, many other languages besides Persian, which, of course, he has always been read among the best-read and memorized poets in the tradition. And the first thing I want to bring up is that he is so relevant to our days for a number of reasons. One is that he is a poet of hope. He tells us, in no uncertain term, that even if you don't feel a lot of hope in your life, you have to allow yourself to stay close to being hopeful. And he gives us a metaphor. He says, hope is the road to safety. Omid sararahimanist. So hope is the road that takes you to safety. If you cannot step on this road, at least stay close to it. That is, do not ever tell yourself that there is no hope left. Leave that door open and seek it. 
And then he always, of course, uses Quranic references to God's generosity, to kindness, to love, and so forth. But most beautifully, most importantly, he puts it in terms of two lovers who have fallen apart, who have had a problem. And then he says, Do not ever be hopeless without hope that your beloved has been harsh. If he or she pushed you away today, isn't that beloved going to call you back tomorrow? Of course, the condition present is law. You have to make sure that that exists in your life. حله نومید نباشی که تو را یار براند اگر امروز براند نکه فرداد بخواند و اگر بر تو ببندد همه درها و گذرها ره پنهان بنماید که کسان را نداند And now in this line which I'm going to translate in a second he expands the notion of the beloved to God which is something he always does and in this case, he says, and if he closes the doors on you, or rather it appears as if he's closing the doors on you. And even if he does that, he will show you that hidden road, that entry that is not known to anyone but you. In other words, there is never room for hopelessness, for thinking that, that there is no beginning, that everything has ended. And he gives us his poetic logic. That's why he's so convincing, because, you know, I can, I can say that to you, and you might say, well, what is your justification? Why are you just telling me there is hope? But he doesn't just claim that. He adds to that in his own poetic way with examples that are convincing. Bahar amad, bahar amad, bahar emosht, bahar amad. So bahar in Persian is the spring. So he says, the spring has arrived. The spring has arrived. The beautiful mosht bar is actually something that has a great scent the flowers of course in this case so bahar moshkbar literally is the perfumed spring but why is the spring a sign of hope because before it comes everything looks dead everything is under snow or under frozen earth and then suddenly in a space of a few weeks this earth seems to come to life, open up and give birth to these beautiful flowers. So then he compares it to the arrival of the beloved. Bahar amad, bahar amad, bahar moshk, bahar amad, negar amad, negar amad, negar abort, bahar amad. The spring came, the spring the perfumed spring has arrived. The beloved has come. The beloved, the patient, caring beloved. It's very interesting the word board bar he uses to describe the beloved instead of um, 
riveting and gorgeous and heartbreaking and all that. He describes the beloved as bourbar, kind, patient. And then he gives us his key word, Safa Ahmad, Safa Ahmad, Kesangorik Roshanshud. And Safa is something he's going to refer to all through his stories and his poetry. And it literally means purity. Safa is purity. And that matters to him a lot. And let me tell you, um, we have a very, as human beings, a very expanded version and description of purity. Sometimes we think it means that we have never made a mistake. We should have never made a mistake. It means that we should control ourselves uh, with regards to every human urge, that we shouldn't think about owning something or living a, a financially comfortable life. These are not what he considers purity. Purity, as far as he's concerned, is the purity of intention, is to be who you say you are. That's purity. To be who you think you are. And to be brave enough to actually be who you want to be. That is purity as far as, far as he's concerned. So when he says, Safa Omad, Safa Omad, Kesangori Groshanshut, Shafa Omad, Shafa Omad, Shafa Yahar Nazar Omad. Purity has arrived. Even the pebbles are glowing. Even the earth is glowing. Cure has arrived. Healing has arrived. Healing for every sickness. So when you think about that, what happens is the arrival of the spring which reminds him of the arrival of the beloved, purifies us. In fact, love is like a crucible. In it, you can be purified. And if you think about that in real life too, in everyday life, if you deeply love another human being, you want to be true to them. It would be very, very hard not to be truthful to somebody whom you deeply love. So what he tells us, about this love is that hope comes with the spring. Hope contains love. Love helps us to be ourselves in a very meaningful, um, humane, but at the same time human way, because after all, we are human beings. We cannot be anything else. And then that purity, that acceptance of hope, that gives us a chance to think about healing, to feel healing, and to also even share that healing with others. So let's linger on the concept of love in his, in his life and his poetry a little more, because as you can see, and you will see again and again, um, that is a very important, very key concept. And why is love so important? First, it matters to think about that concept a little more because he uses it in an expansive way. One example of it is the human-to-human -human love. And in fact, is a very important example because 
This is the way we human beings can experience it. But it could be the force that moves us by looking at a beautiful flower, a little pet we have in the house. If we see somebody we really want to support and help in a pure way. Remember, purity is important for everything. It is at the bottom of every action. And if it's there, it makes that action blessed and important. Also, this love has to have some connection with detachment. And I want to talk about detachment. Again, detachment, as far as he is concerned, is not to give up everything. Sometimes we think detachment means not to own anything, not to be proud of anything we have. No. In fact, he uses one of his beautiful metaphors to say that having things doesn't mean you cannot be detached. Not being controlled by things is what helps you to be detached. And the metaphor he gives us is this. Aub der kashti the water inside the ship makes it drown, makes it sink. But actually, we all know that the same water under the ship makes it sail to safety. So water is not a problem. Where that water is makes it important. If you are so attached to what you have that you cannot think about anything else, that you cannot be mindful of what it means to others, then this water is inside the ship and is drowning it. If not, if you have it, use it and make it a tool in your life, including a life that is a support to others. Then this is the water under the ship that helps you sail to safety. Now back to love. That love is also the force that helps us to feel this detachment. Again, if you love someone, it's a lot easier to give them something that you have that you might actually like very much. But that force of love gives you the generosity to give it up. So here, he takes that metaphor of the freeing force that love is and take it to a level where it can make you fly. Because you can be so free of attachment. You can be so light that living feels like flying. Every moment, the calling of love comes from right and left. I am heading upwards to the heaven. Who is going to come and watch? In other words, hey, guys, come and see me. I have been made so unburdened, so light, so free by love that I can fly. ما به فلک بوده ایم یار ملک بوده ایم باز همان جا رویم جمله که آن شهر ماست We human beings actually do
do belong to love, do belong to lightheartedness, to the ability to dance, to live a life that is not burdened by attachment. So let us go back there. That is the city where we belong. بوی خوشه این نسیم از شکن زلف اوست شعشعه این خیال زان رخ چون بزه هاست This beautiful scent is the breeze that comes through the curls of the beloved So the beloved's curls were always perfumed maybe because of the way um, he or she arranged and did their hair or just the scent of love gave their beauty that scent. But the point is, all of this perfume, all of this attraction, this calling of love that really touches you is because it comes from the land of the beloved in the same way that in the previous poem, The spring came from that land. So you see, he begins to give us a landscape. In this landscape, there is a presence, a glowing presence, a light-hearted feeling that should be natural to us as human beings. And if we seek it, we could get in touch with it again. And that allows us to feel the love And that allows us to get rid of the water inside the ship, all those attachments, and allow the water to be under the ship, which will help us sail. And in fact, one of the nicest parts of, of the way he deals with these things is that he doesn't see this love, this um, feeling of connection with others, this uh, glowing presence as belonging to a particular race or religion or gender or anything that that is a mark of a certain chosen group. No, this belongs to everyone. It's cosmic. It's, it's human. It is something that we can all go towards and feel it. Why? Because the whole world is in a cosmic dance. The stars, the heavenly bodies are dancing. Um, the light of the sun is dancing. The trees are dancing in the wind. It just takes us to stop in our tracks and notice it. On sobhisaw dathaw chanur fishan awyat angaw khurus jan dar guftu fagan awyat. That morning of happiness. When that morning of happiness begins to dawn and shed light on the world, the cock of the soul begins to crow. The bird of the soul begins to sing. Of course, the cock always used to crow at the beginning of the morning. They still do. We just don't see them because they are out of sight, but not in his poetry. All birds, all animals are all over the place. آن صبح سعادت ها چنور فشان آوید آنگاه خروس جان در گفت و فغان آوید خور نور درخشاند پس نور برفشاند تن گرد چو بنشاند جانان بر جان آوید 
Now we are going to see that concept of purity again. In this case, um, he expresses it in the form of shedding the dust from the body. The sun begins to shine. And then it spreads its light across the world when the body begins to shed the dust from its clothes. The beloved arrives. And listen to this one. Dil Mariam Aubestan Yekshi Bekonat Bauman Isi Yetoruzeitan Dar Gufto Zabon Oyat. My heart is the pregnant Mary. Of course, Mary was pregnant with Jesus, with the truth, with the word of God. So he compares our hearts to that. Pregnant Mary, Del Mariama al Bestan Yekshi Bekonat Bauman, Isi Yeturu Zaitan, Dar Gufto Zabon Oyat. My heart, the pregnant Mary, speaks to me in her own manner, and the Jesus, the newly born Jesus of my body, begins to speak. Del Nur Jahan Baushat, John Der Lamaan Baushat, In Rags Konan Baushat, On Dast Zanan Oyat. Del Nur Jahan Baushat, The heart is the light of the world. John Der Lamaan Baushat, And the soul is glowing. In Rags Konan Baushat, On Dast Zanan Oyat. One of them is dancing as the other one claps. The heart is the light of the world. The soul is glowing. One of them is dancing as the other one claps to keep the rhythm, of course, which is very, very important. I hope that these examples in this particular opening program give you a taste of what Radio Rumi is going to be like. I hope you, I hope you would join me in listening to his beautiful poetry and thinking and adopting it in your own way. I am Fatima Keshavars, and this is Radio Rumi. Looking forward to talking with you very soon. Bomans and a model, then, 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 then,